we are live. It is Monday, February 19th. Not much going on in the NBA. The All-Star break has come and gone, thank God. Uh, we've got a little bit of injury news, some coaching uh, moves, I suppose, if we want to call it that. We'll, we'll touch on what the Nets did overnight. This is Fantasy Basketball International. This is Balls Deep. I'm the type to get shit done. You the type to observe. March Madness on my speakers, but today's November 23rd. Got something loud in the blunt, yeah. I don't say what I want, yeah. Probably somewhere sunny and tan. Foreign women in the sun, yeah. That's all that I need. That's all that I need. That's all that I need. Come my brothers with me. Come my brothers with me. Welcome to the Balls Deep Podcast, part of the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. I am Adam King, your host at AdamKing91 on Twitter is where you will find me. At FBI Basketball is where you will find us. Joined as always on a Monday by Noah Rubin. Noah, uh, yeah, look, a nice uh, few days off for you. Um Bit of a holiday. Uh, I've had a little bit of time off as well, obviously, from basketball stuff. Uh, what, what have you been doing with your free time? And, and did you happen to catch any of the All-Star uh, festivities? Yeah, it's been uh, nice to have a little bit of a break. Still always fun to uh, be able to hop on here with you on Mondays. Uh, but, yeah, I've been in my free time. I've been going to bed at a reasonable hour instead of being up till 1 or 2 a.m. blurbing. So that's been really fun, really nice. Uh, I've caught a little bit of the All-Star festivities. I did end up blurbing the uh, the Rising Stars, which was still fun. The uh, the Saturday Night stuff I watched, I think, kind of had – I didn't really watch the Skills Challenge, but I think the three-point shootout stuff, Sabrina, and the, for some reason I stayed up for the dunk contest, even though I told myself I was going to turn it off as soon as Steph and Sabrina ended. Um, and then I don't think I watched any of the All-Star game, but I think just kind of – kept up with it on Twitter more so, but yeah, no, it's been, uh, it's been fun. Should be fun. The final two months, or I guess less than two months starting Thursday with the games back, but it's been nice to have a little mid season recharge. So, I mean, we'll start with the all-star break. We'll get that out of the way. Cause much like you, I didn't watch a lot of it. Uh, yeah. I actually did watch the rising star. I don't mind the rising stars. Um, yeah, I feel like these good. young guys have a bit more to prove and they're out there. They're not, Obviously, they're not going super hard, but but they're at least competing. So so I didn't mind that. Um, the G League I team called, really competed too. They did. They did. And yeah. makes sense. They, they're obviously all, all out to prove something. So um, so I didn't I didn't mind that. Uh, mm-hmm. The yeah, the skills I watched bits and pieces, but I don't know. They try to chips. Chip. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fine, but it's, it's weird. Um, three point comp you know exactly what you're getting. Like, I feel like it's it's always probably one of the highlights. Um, the Steph Sabrina, I actually missed it. I, I can't remember mm. why I missed it. I don't know. I was doing something, but I, but I missed that. But but reviews and, and people, it, it sounds like it might be something that's going to expand next season to include some other players. So I think that's good. I think that's something new. Dunk contest. <laughs> it was just lame. Um, yeah. I mean, the right guy won. Mac McClung should have yeah. did win. But that Jalen Brown dunk where, where he did the D Brown after he landed was yes. – <laughs> and it got higher points than – certain. like it was 
I don't ridiculous. know. I don't know what they can do with the dunk comp other than, for me, the only thing they could do is to bring in the non-NBA dunkers. Um, the, the guys on YouTube, that that's what they do. They they dunk. I think one of them is, is it Jordan Kilgannon? He's mm-hmm. one of those he guys. And there's a few of them around. Like, why not bring him in? I, yeah. I don't. I just don't think persisting with the current format is going to end well. I, I'm not sure what else they can do with it. So whether they consider that, I don't know. Um, and then the All-Star game, much like you, I didn't watch any of it. Um, I was at work anyway, so I couldn't really watch it. But reading along or keeping up with it on, on Twitter and watching box scores and, and then seeing the aftermath, it feels like it's done. I, I don't... I don't know if they will get rid of it, but even the players came out and said, clearly we're not competing where it's a week off for us. Um, it's an honour to be in the team, but like just watch it, like Luca dribble up, take two dribbles up the court and just heave a, sh- a shot from three-quarter court. That sort of sums up the All-Star game to me. And um, yeah. I don't know. Do you think it's, it's a format that just they need to get rid of and... I think still have the weekend, have the the all star break and, and that sort of thing, but the the game is just pointless, isn't it, at this point? Yeah, it is. And I think a lot of people get really frustrated by the fact that they don't play defense in the all star game, which I mean, as long as I remember watching and I know I obviously wasn't watching it back in the eighties or nineties or early two thousands or anything like that, but um as long as I remember really watching it, like there was never really defense. So obviously there's considerably less defense even and it's not like right at the end of the game i think the the uh what's it called the elam ending was uh, or i think that's how you pronounce it but um that i think kind of made it a little bit competitive because if it was a close game then hey like let's kind of actually play for real like the fourth quarter when we're playing to a certain score okay cool but honestly like sometimes like it's kind of fun to just watch all the best players sit there and just chuck deep shots randomly dunk it I I don't have the expectation for them to ever play hard, so I wasn't. I don't get that frustrated by it. But Mm. times it just doesn't really matter to me, so that's why I didn't watch it. But I don't think that there's really anything to do at this point, unless they're going to do what they did. Like the play-in tournament seemed to work in the sense that, hey, if you win, you get was it five hundred thousand dollars to the winning team. Yeah. Like if every player got a million dollars or $500,000 for their team winning the all-star game, I guarantee you that they would play a little bit harder. And the same thing with the dunk contest. I think that's the only other solution. Like if you're going to keep using NBA players, you like the winner has to get like a million or $2 million or whatever it is. Um, Which obviously like how much money they're willing to put into it is the number one question because it's to me, it's not like, Oh, the dunks just aren't as fun anymore. There's, a lack of creativity, like every dunk that could be done has already been done. Like, I don't believe that. Like there's gotta be something else like original that players Mm. can do, but it just seemed like not only the dunks like kind of suck, but there was just a lack of effort to even try and come up with something new. Like nobody did anything new except Mac McClung, I think did one dunk that was new. And it was like, if you're going to sign up and put yourself out there, why would you not like, put a little bit of effort into it. Cause like, it seemed like everybody just kind of like signed up and then just didn't really care. Like, I'm not going to try and do anything original. I'm just gonna, uh, I'll grab you random person from the crowd. You stand yeah. in front of the, like everybody brought somebody out to dunk over. And that was kind of like, it just got yeah. old. So 
I think unless they put money on the line and people actually start caring, it's not going to really change. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tough one um, because obviously the history is there. The dunk comp is, is the almost the face of the All Star Weekend to some degree. Like that, people remember yeah. the, the Jordan, the Dominique, those days, Vince Carter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it does have that nostalgia. So I don't think you can get rid of it, but it, right. they need to add something to it. And and in terms of the All Star Game, I I, th- I think I mean there's there's not a lot of options, but for me, I like that. As you said, I think there needs to be some sort of financial incentive. But yeah. the issue the NBA will come up with is that, well, we've got this team of 12. If we're giving them a million, that's $12 million that we're paying out to these players. So for me, and, and we talk about expanding the rosters to a, to 15 mm-hmm. players, and, and obviously if there's a financial incentive, they're not going to do that because it's even more money. Fair I like the concept of the rising stars where they have four teams. They play a little round robin. Why not mm-hmm. 15 east, 15 west, divided into three teams, have a little round robin, two winners play. It's, so it's yeah. just five on five, first to 20, winning five, get a million each, and then it's only five million. Um, something like that. I don't know, but it would allow more players to be picked. You would have you could spread it out so it's not one two hour game. Have it over like six hours or, or whatever, and much like the All Star Saturday night obviously goes for three or four hours. So mm-hmm. do it like that. The two the teams in each conference sort of play each other first to twenty, so the games would only be ten minutes long. Um, and do I don't know some sort of a tally a percentage. I don't know. So there's a winning team from each conference. Those two play. And winning team gets a million each. I don't know, something like that. Um, Because I still think you need to have it. I think it's an honour to be named to an Mm all-star team. And and it it does have that history to it. So, And I actually wouldn't mind seeing a a game of horse with players. Yeah. Something like that. Like me and my mates still play horse when we go, if, if one of us have got a basketball ring in our backyard, we still play horse. And it's so much fun. So it would be cool to just watch... Luca doing these half court shots in a game of horse, not in an actual game. Right. You would have seen that video or the footage of him hitting those half court shots where he was shooting it. Oh, yeah. And he hit two of those in a row. Imagine yeah. a game of horse with that. And, and the one he bounced in too. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that would be cool. And for the, for me, the players, they don't want to get injured. That's the thing here. They're not going to yeah. put in effort and risk rolling an ankle. They would be under directions from the team to not get injured and roll an ankle or do a knee or something. So, yeah, I don't know. It, I feel like they've got to, they've got to make some change. Like it's time to make changes. Um, and even Adam Silva in, in his press conference sort of thing after the game, you could tell that he was frustrated with the lack of competitiveness and I don't know what he's expecting, but it, uh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't good. So I think a couple other like, not to, I don't know, we don't want to spend the whole time talking about the All-Star, but um, like horse, I think would be a really cool thing. I think there's a couple of things that would never happen because it'd just be making fun of the players, but I'd love to see like the players that can't shoot in a three-point shootout. I'd love to see the yeah. the tall centers that don't ever dribble the ball in the skills challenge. Like obviously that wouldn't ever happen because it would just be, let's make fun of the players and nobody would yeah, ever sign yeah. up for it. Yeah. Or like, I want to see like a, a dunk contest between Trey Young and Chris Paul kind of thing. Like, that's like it would be funny 
and it'd be entertaining. Like ratings would go up, but players aren't going to do that. Like whatever. But yeah. I think horse is a really, really realistic one and probably the most realistic one. The other thing would be like a king of the court tournament where, I mean, I've, I still can sit there and watch those like YouTube uh, ball is life videos of like Kevin Durant, Paul George, Victor Oladipo, Devin Booker, like those guys playing one-on-one at team USA camp. Yeah. Yeah. And just like watching their footwork, three dribbles, see them like either play good defense or get a crazy shot off because they're the best scorers in the world, obviously. But just like getting to see that at all-star weekend, taking like six to eight players and just putting like, again, I know we just keep throwing around a million dollars, like a million dollars on the line say, Hey, you guys just like play King of the court. Like, I think that would be really fun. And obviously you would probably run into, Hey, you can't get hurt. Like, do not do this event. We don't want you to ever take a chance, even though these players are going obviously much harder in practice than they would in this event. But I think you could get guys that, you know, fit the like, I guess, more like a street ball kind of player, like pickup player in the NBA. So like a a Cam Thomas um, would do really well with that event where it's like, he's not the the superstar level player where it's like, hey, like, please don't get hurt. We're trying to win a title. Mm -hmm. But he also is like an elite scorer. Like, I'd love to see like Cam Thomas... Uh, like a Jordan Clarkson, I mean, like guys like Cam Reddish who were supposed to be really good and then like for whatever reason didn't end up panning out that still have like really good like scoring skills, um, see them do just like one-on-ones. Like I think that would be something that would be a lot of fun that a lot of people would tune, turn, tune into, but yeah. we'll see. It'll probably just be the same nonsense yeah, next year. Probably will, <laughs> yeah. And and I think, yeah, I mean, even something like that, I mean, numbers-wise – a little bit tricky at the moment, but if the NBA are adding two more teams and you go to 32, it's it's there. You have 32. So yeah. get every team to nominate one guy to come for this king of the court tournament. 32 that would be, to yeah. 16 to 8 to 4 to 2, there's your winner. Like It's almost written in the stars. But anyway, yeah. who are we? We're, we're just sitting here doing a, a dodgy fantasy basketball podcast right. pretending to know about the NBA. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so All-Star break, it's done. Um, so moving into news, and, and there's not a lot of news. Nothing much happens over, over this week, at least not until probably sort of Wednesday we'll start to get some news and injury news and stuff like that. But Mike Conley signed a two-year extension with the Wolves, so that's that's good. I, th- I think it, it shows us that the Wolves see what they've got right now as their, as a core to move forward for the next couple of years. Um, they obviously would like to get someone... Uh, an adequate backup there for Mike Conley because he's he's no spring chicken. He's getting older. Um, but they obviously view him as a, a pretty key piece for the next little while. So congratulations to him um, signing a, a, a nice deal at his age. Um, for the – I guess I touched on coaching, the coaching merry-go-round, if we want to call it that. But the, the Nets parted way with Jacques Vaughan overnight – uh, what are your thoughts on, on this? Because it's I have some thoughts, but I'll, let's hear yours first. Yeah, and it I just just came out like a couple minutes ago, but apparently Kevin Ollie is the the favorite or emerges the leader to be the interim head coach. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess that really doesn't actually mean much because even if he's just the interim head coach, they'll probably find somebody else this offseason unless he does well. So that could end up impacting things, maybe not as much, but um, yeah, I think we briefly touched on it before and then tried to wait to actually have the conversation once we started the podcast, but uh, looking at the Nets roster, like they have some very talented players. Like obviously Ben Simmons is very talented. 
he's missed most of the season. Mikhail Bridges was awesome to end last season. I think had all-star expectations this season, but then like he just wasn't able to play as well as he did at the end of last season. Cam Thomas has been, um, I think, much better than expected because he's actually seeing the minutes and given the freedom to be what he is, and that's a really good score. They've had other injuries, like Cam Johnson's missed a good bit of games, Dorian Finney-Smith has, but I think looking at their roster, they are a middle-of-the-pack team. Like Probably everything goes according to plan, and they are a sixth seed, and that's probably best-case scenario in my mind. Um, which is what they were last season, but they're now two and a half games out of the play-in at the all-star break. And I don't know, does making a change at head coach kind of give them a little bit of hope and re-energize the team and help them make a push for the play-in tournament where they maybe make the playoffs and lose best case scenario, five or six games in the first round? Maybe like, but that would be probably the, the best you're getting out of that. So it's a it's an interesting move that I mean this team has changed head coaches a handful of times over the last few years. This is the same front office that hired Steve Nash to come coach Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, which was obviously Steve Nash one of the greatest point guards of all time. But for somebody that had no real coaching experience, just to kind of make this work was um, obviously didn't go very well at all. But all that to be said. Uh, I don't know how much that this impacts fantasy, but it, it just seems to be a, a move that they felt they had to make that probably doesn't do much for them moving forward. And then maybe, maybe if Kevin Ollie comes in and earns a full-time job and gets to take over the permanent head coaching title this off season, then they have their guy for the future. Um, but they have a, they have quite a bit of moves to make before they are able to, kind of be any sort of real contender. Yeah, I agree. And I think I said I had some thoughts and I mentioned to you before we came on air that this reminds me of the team I support in, in the football here in Australia. So, I mean, there's probably not a lot of Australians watching, but anyone that that is familiar with uh, rugby league here in Australia and knows anything about the West Tigers, which are my team, they would know that um, it's been a rough decade for, for the Tigers in, in the Rugby League. They haven't made the, the finals or the playoffs or whatever we want to call it uh, for about 12 years. And it's been a case of mismanaged team, bad CEO, front office that's inept, and ju- just trying to and, – and they, much like the Nets, they've gone through about six coaches, I think, in the last 12 years – and they just keep replacing the coach in the hope that, hey, maybe we'll get lucky here. And rather than – and they they bring in veterans and, and players that were in their prime three years ago and let's get this guy in. He's a big name. And it obviously doesn't work out because they're much older. They get injured. They don't play well. So it's been just a really mismanaged organisation and – the fans were just screaming for the CEO to be fired, the board to be fired, all these changes. And finally they've done it this year. Uh, So in the off season, the CEO went, the head of football operations went, the board sacked themselves. So they actually realized, hey, we're not doing a good job here. So they basically cleaned house from the top, from the top, got rid of everyone. They've got a new coach. And straight away, they've made some new signings. They've got good players coming in in the next couple of years. So it's not like they're going to win this year and win the title, but they're going to compete 
they're actually moving in a direction that the fans are happy with. And I feel like the Nets front office are doing exactly the same thing. They're just getting new coaches in. They're bringing in players who, on the surface, look at this guy, we're bringing him in. And, and they've been doing it for so long. Look, if you go all the way back to, to the Celtics trade, the Kevin Garnett oh my goodness. thing that went, like that haunted them for years. Um, and they finally got through that. And now they're just back in that cycle of mediocrity. And um, as you said, like their roster is okay, but it's they're not winning anything anytime soon. So for me, this is just a move for the sake of making a move. We need to we need to look like we're trying to shake things up and improve. But I don't I mean again we're not we're obviously not in there with the team. We don't know exactly what's going on. But to me Vaughan couldn't have really done any more than he than he did with that roster. Um the Ben Simmons injury thing has obviously been um a bit rough on on the team and the franchise because he is still a really good player but um, yeah, it's to me it, it just screams of of a front office that doesn't really know what they're doing. A little bit like the Pistons, um, and there's a couple of other teams. But yeah, it's I don't know. I've, I mean, maybe Jacques Vaughan, maybe this is a blessing for him. Like he's come out and he's given a statement, which obviously he's always going to do. But I don't know. It might be a pretty big weight off his shoulders not having to go to work every day and try to coach a team that he doesn't have the players that he wants or or whatever it might be. So anyway, they're my thoughts. So yeah. I don't think it's a move that's going to make any significant changes in Brooklyn. I could be wrong, but um, now we'll have a look at the, uh, just quickly go through the schedule. So obviously for most fantasy leagues, this is probably a two week week or a two week um uh, what a, a period. Uh, so we're looking at four days remaining in this period, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we've actually got a few teams with three games uh, over those four days. So we've got Charlotte, Cleveland, Denver, Golden State, Houston, the Clippers, the Lakers, <clears throat> uh, New Orleans, the Thunder, Magic, 76ers, Suns, Spurs and Wizards. So quite a lot of teams. But we've actually got two pretty high-volume games, um, both Thursday and Saturday. We've got uh, 11 game slates, and a lot of the teams um, have their at least one of their three games on the, on one of those high-volume nights. Most of them being on the Thursday, which is 11. Uh, not a lot of them play on on the Saturday, but um, yeah. So I guess looking at streaming. Um, are there any names sort of for you? I don't know if you if you came in with any prepared, but obviously with the Hornets, we've got a few names there. Who, if Trey Mann, Vasily Micic, if they're not rostered. Um, but I'm assuming Trey Mann is rostered everywhere now, surely. We've been talking about him for two weeks. Yeah, I don't have any uh, names prepared, but I'm also still trying to find good uh, – because you said all those names and I don't have a, a list um, that I'm able to find online quickly to be able to see exactly – who has uh, those games? Because I have one that has all the games for the two-week period, but I'm trying to see if I can find one just for the one-week period, just to make it a little easier to find a, a streaming option. But yeah, no, sorry, I don't have any uh, names prep for you. Yeah, so look at Charlotte, um, Cleveland. Not much in Cleveland. Uh, no. Denver. There's never anything in Denver. Mm -hmm. um, the Warriors 
probably not a lot. Maybe a Wiggins. Um, we've got if Pajemski is still on your waiver wire. Yeah, Pajemski. Probably um, not. Chris Paul, if he, he's getting closer, we don't know. Again, we, we might have more news in the next couple of days as to how close Chris Paul is to coming back. Um, Houston, I guess Cam Whitmore, but let's let's see. Van Fleet could be back uh, in the first game as soon as we're back, which would mean Amen Thompson takes a hit yeah. and probably goes from being a, a rosterable guy to fringe. Um Clippers, Lakers, not a lot for either team there. No. Uh, Mem- Memphis, who are, a, I guess, a, a team that we're looking at every game for streaming. They only have one game um, in oh, okay. four days. So not a great team in terms of targeting for the remainder of this um, scoring period. But obviously long term, there, there is some streaming value there. Uh, Pelicans. Larry Nance, I suppose, but but not a lot there. With Dyson Daniels out, is there anyone that you are looking at? I mean, Trey Murphy, I think, probably gets a little bit of a bump here, but I don't see anyone just picking up his 20, 22 minutes. It's just going to be spread out over about four or five players. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess Jose Alvarado would see a couple extra minutes, but I'm not going to really stream him anywhere. So, yeah, I mean, Trey Murphy's going to get a boost, but... I'm going to guess that he's rostered in most leagues. So actually yep. looking at it, only 49% rostered on Yahoo, which is very surprising to me. Uh, the Spurs are an interesting team and the Wizards. Um, they're obviously both teams that that are in that tanking category, I suppose. Um, anyone on the Spurs or the, the Wizards, like are we, we're going to move into stash and, and, and watch players next and both of these teams will feature in that discussion but is there anyone right now that you'd consider streaming in um in san antonio or washington in san antonio i think anybody that's worth streaming is or worth rostering is already rostered i don't think there's anybody that's probably available to to stream that's worth it um if marvin bagley's still on the waiver wire i would be adding him but from those two teams that's probably it yeah uh, all right. So looking at stash, I, I did a, a, I put a tweet out and, and a lot of analysts have been doing stuff, whether it's on a show or tweeting or writing articles about players that we're looking at for the back end of the season, the fantasy playoffs, uh, that you would consider stash players or, or even just watch list players. So maybe you can't afford to stash them because they're not they're barely playing at the moment, but in three weeks' time they might be playing. Uh, so the list that I put out, and, and we, we can expand on this if we need to, but the list I put out was uh, I talked about the Nets, whether they decide to go and, and, and tank is yet to be determined, but I put Jalen Wilson and Dayron Sharp. So I think both of these guys are, are really intriguing, and, and Dayron Sharp actually was sort of rosterable in 12-team leagues before his injury. Uh, he was playing about 16 to 18 minutes. He's a very good rebounder, can get some defensive stuff. Nick Claxton is, I believe, a free agent this this offseason. So we don't know what, what his future holds. Do the Nets see him as their future? Does he want to stick around in Brooklyn, given the what, what's happening in Brooklyn? Maybe he wouldn't. Maybe he'd like to go to a more stable team with a clear direction. So... 
Uh, what are your thoughts on Dayron Sharp and Jalen Wilson? Um, I don't think either of them are incredibly enticing options. And uh, just looking at uh, the comments here, there's one that says the Nets don't really want to take because they don't have their pick this year. That mm. goes to Houston. I was looking really quickly to see if it was a protected, but it's literally an unprotected first. So I'm assuming that they're going to try and, I mean, I would think that they would try and win the rest of their game since they don't own their, their first, but maybe if they own, do they have their second round pick? Let me see if they have their, their second, which they don't. So that's cool. So I don't think that they're going to be trying to tank at any point. Um, but I think that both these guys have still seen minutes uh, at times, Daron Sharp, like you said, did have a handful of good games before he got hurt. Um, just pulling those up, he's played. He played their last two, didn't really do much, but um, he had like a handful of double-digit scoring games right before he got hurt. A couple double doubles, um, a block-ish per game for a little while there. So, I think when Claxton's there, he just it's hard to stream or roster sharp just because the minutes are kind of inconsistent. Like sure, Claxton could get in foul trouble and then they're on sharp could have a good game, but it's kind of a hard thing to bank on, even though, even if it seems likely that Claxton is going to get in foul trouble. Um, and then Jalen Wilson, I like his game as like just a basketball player, um, but I'm not sure exactly how much he's doing for fantasy. Like being on the court is half of the, equation uh when it comes to providing value in fantasy um and he had a couple of pretty decent games right before the all-star break um but i think unless they face a handful of injuries i'm probably not going to look to roster him either but it is kind of cool to see the uh the second round pick getting minutes and obviously uh whitehead was or had surgery but um seeing him get minutes over their two first round picks so um, but probably not a guy to stash. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. He said he has been playing minutes. Um, he's played at least 20 minutes in four straight games. Um, mm-hmm. Cam Johnson, well, close to 20 minutes, 19 in the last game. But Cam Johnson is dealing with um, with some injuries. Ben Simmons is sort of on and off. So I, I do think there's a role there for him. We haven't really seen that equate to fantasy production yet. Right. Um, so, yeah, for me, this would be a um, a really late sort of guy that you might look at if if they do get some injuries, if they decide to just pull Cam Johnson out and give him the rest of the season off. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith has also been dealing with a bit of an injury um, throughout the season, really. He's been in and out of the lineup. And, and honestly, I mean, Finney-Smith is obviously more of a veteran. He's a bit more proven, but... What's like? What's his ceiling? It's not that high. We, he's never been mm-hmm. a high producer. So why wouldn't you just roll Jalen Wilson out there in his spot? Um, but yeah, again, as you've said, and as someone said in the chat here, they don't have their pick, so there's no incentive to tank. Other than a smart organization would want to get a look at some of these young guys and see what they've got. But we're talking about the Nets, so. Um, Someone posted a, a comment here, Tim. Uh, Hi, I'm in need of some rebounds, field goal percentage in 14-team league. Was thinking about Dayron Sharp. Any reason to believe the new Nets coach will mix some things up and give him more minutes? Uh, I, I'm not confident that they will because um, it, it does feel to me like 
the front office wants to be running the team here and the coach maybe doesn't have the freedom to to actually do what they want to do to, to some degree. Um, he's certainly someone to watch and you could take a flyer. What what are his minutes like since he's returned? Uh, one of them was single digits and one of them was in the teens in the last two games. Okay, so... Yeah, but like we said before, before he went down, he he was playing. He was playing decent minutes. Um, yeah, seventeen minutes, twenty minutes, seventeen minutes, eighteen, sixteen, twenty-one, and he's basically if if he get if he gets twenty minutes, you're looking at a double double with two defensive stats, um, shooting yeah seventy percent, seventy five percent from the floor. So I think if we could guarantee that he was going to get twenty minutes a night. Um, 18 to 20 even, he'd be worthwhile grabbing. He did play, obviously he was coming off a, a reasonably significant injury, so he did play nine minutes and then 13 minutes. So if you're in a position to be able to grab him in a 14-team league and just see what the next two to three games look like, if he does bump up to closer to 20 minutes, then maybe. But if he hovers around that 12, 13 minutes, then probably not. So let's see what his role looks like. Um, and I think as far as their new head coach, like if it ends up being Kevin Olive, like he's been an assistant with them. So yeah. could he look at and say, like, I didn't really like what Jack Vaughn was doing. Like, I really want to get Dayron Sharp more minutes. Like that's possible. Uh, it's also uh, possible that he kind of liked what they were doing and the rotation doesn't change all that much. And now he's just the guy, you know, maybe making a couple minor adjustments. So, well, I think it is. Yeah. You just have to wait and see the first couple games because this does change a lot. Uh, onto the Hornets, another team that are well, they they're obviously tanking. Um, we don't know if Lamelo is coming back at all. We don't know if Mark Williams is coming back at all. Um, so it is a little bit hard to project here because Lamelo is obviously their best player, and if he comes back, he's going to eliminate a whole lot of streaming value for a lot of players. I didn't put Trey Mann on my list because he should be rostered everywhere, surely, if he's not going at him. Um, but I did put Vasily Micic and Nick Smith Jr. Uh, Micic had a really good game in his first game when he came across. Then he wasn't great. Then he was sort of average. So probably more of a deeper league guy at the moment if you're looking at picking him up. The Is he someone that you think could get more minutes down the stretch? I guess... Because he's thirty, I believe. Um, yeah. So he's not a young guy. He's not someone that they're they're invested in, and and he's part of their long term future. I don't think so. I'm a little bit hesitant to to consider him um, a must grab or mustache player. But Nick Smith is very young, uh, hasn't shown a lot, but he might be someone that they do pump some minutes into down the stretch just to see what he can do. Um, Interested in either of those guys or anyone else in Charlotte? Um, not as much into Micic. I just think, like you said, he's 30. Um, I don't see them when they have Trey Mann, who's been playing well, and Nick Smith Jr. on the roster. And um, let, let me actually – Amari Bailey was another rookie that they have that's another guard option um, that I don't think he's even really got to play. He's played in three games this season, but they drafted him in the second round. So – that's like a couple of rookie guards that could end up seeing 
big minutes between uh, Smith Jr. and Amari Bailey. So I don't really see anything with Mitch. Like he will see minutes, but I don't think that they're going to really give him like any like enough minutes for him to be a consistent guy in fantasy. But yes, with Nick Smith Jr., like most of what he's done has been scoring, but I could see them, you know, just seeing what he can do with big minutes and maybe he can give a little bit here and there, but mostly points from him. Um, and it's probably going to be inefficient points. So maybe just a points league guy. Um, the other guy that not because that they're going to be tanking and he's going to all of a sudden see minutes, but Grant Williams has been a top 75 guy since he uh, started playing with Charlotte. Um, it's again, a th- or not again, but like a three game sample size. So that tells not very much at all, but uh, he's been good and scored in double figures, I think in all three. So I think he's a guy that I would consider even just streaming now um, just until he stops playing as well as he is, but I don't know. Maybe the fact like he's on a team that's going to give him minutes and kind of like more shot attempts because playing in Boston, he wasn't getting minutes Then playing in Dallas, I guess for whatever reason, there was other issues going on there that prevent him from playing well, but uh seems to be doing well in Charlotte. So I'm riding the hot hand. Uh, speaking of incompetent teams, Detroit, uh, <laughs> I've got a few names here. Um, Fontecchio obviously came over in, in, at the deadline. Um, he's intriguing. Uh, he's, he's been on and off fantasy rosters this season while in Utah, and, and I think that'll continue to be the case in Detroit. Quinton Grimes and Marcus Sasser are, are the two other names I've, I've put on here. I think if this team made sense and knew what they were doing, you, you could say I'd be fairly certain that Grimes and Sasser are going to get some minutes because they're both young. They'd want to see, especially Sasser. I mean, they drafted him. They invested. They they spent a high draft pick. Whether whether that was the right move or not, that's another discussion. But he's there now, and so I think they need to see what they've got in him. And, and Grimes was. I mean, if we think back twelve months, he was the Knicks viewed him as untouchable, and, and then obviously changed their mind because he's not untouchable, and they moved him. So. Either of those guys or Fontecchio, are we confident? that That's the issue here for me is that uh, the confidence in what Detroit are doing is pretty low. Um, but Sasser, we have seen flashes from him this season where he's come out and, and hit multiple three-pointers and scored efficiently. It's been pretty rare. But is there a path to these guys getting minutes with, like, Cade Cunningham? Is he someone that the, the Pistons are going to go... We've seen enough. He's still having issues with that knee. So I, I feel like he is a shutdown candidate if, if we want to talk about players that way. Um, so for you, confidence in the Pistons or, or just avoiding them? It is tough because I think that there are some teams where they're you know clearly tanking, but they don't have, I guess, a bunch of franchise guys available to play. Like I know we'll talk about Memphis soon, but like, Obviously, John Morant, Desmond Bain being out and Marcus Smart being out like is a big reason that they're tanking, but it's also a big reason why guys will see minutes. So with Detroit, it's like, yes, they're not a good team, but are they really going to – how early are they going to shut down Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey, or are they going to value those guys just playing more games together and just playing in the NBA? Because those things matter for their development. Cade missed almost all of last season, so just having him get – more games, more reps. Like, what do they value there? I think that at some point we will see Marcus Sasser starting at point guard, but is that going to be, you know, 
middle of April, last two games of the season, or is that going to be middle of March, late March? Like, I think it's, it's, it's hard to say exactly when they're going to do that. So Marcus Sasser, obviously I think has the most upside as a streaming guy or a stash guy. Um, but it's just, it's hard to say exactly when Detroit's going to kind of pull the plug. I think Fontecchio is a guy that could see minutes quickly. Um, already kind of has seen minutes. And then Quentin Grimes is the guy that even if he does kind of play a larger role um, off the bench, he's not a guy that I'm super excited about in fantasy. Yeah, it's fair. I, I think um, the Grizzlies obviously tanking. Um, I don't think we need to discuss that side of this. Um, knowing who to target really hard at the moment because they're even the guys that – wouldn't normally be getting court time are getting benched because they're playing too well or they're getting rested. So even guys like Vince Williams, who who are clearly must roster at the moment, but he he's been given a couple of games off in the last few weeks. So a really hard team to know who to target. But someone I think um, I had I had Lamar Stevens and, and Jameson on my list, but I think someone we probably need to be adding at the moment is Jordan Goodwin. Uh, he started in their last game. We've seen flashes from him um, when he was in Phoenix and, and Washington, I believe. Was he in Washington? Am I yes, right? That was, I yes. think that was when he played his best. Yeah. So I think if he continues to start, Scotty Pippen is out for at least another few weeks. The word or the, the vibe, I suppose, that we're getting out of Memphis is that Marcus Smart and Desmond Bain are somewhat done for the season. They might come back at some point, but it will only be for a handful of games and limited minutes and not back-to-backs. And So to me, Jordan Goodwin, despite the fact that they they don't have a lot invested in him, they, they basically picked him up for nothing, he is someone that could be a nice piece for them if we look ahead to next year, playing as a backup um, behind Ja Morant, Desmond Bain, do, do you think we need to be adding him? Because um, he's probably on this list, one of the players that I'm reasonably confident in. And I was, yeah, I was, so he's still on a 10-day contract, which is yeah. actually going to expire Thursday. So hopefully they add him to like another 10-day or sign him for the rest of the season. Um, but yeah, he's a guy that I really liked in Washington. He had some really good games when they were dealing with a ton of injuries last season where he had like border, like, really good numbers of points, rebounds, assists, and steals, especially the steals. So definitely is able to be a good, like, nine-cat fantasy player. And the fact that he started, I think that also bodes well for what he can do. Now is, you know, like you said, like, are is he going to play too well for them to say, hey, uh, no, you can't do this. You're messing things up for us, which I don't know. I don't think those conversations are actually happening, but it really seems like it based on – the way like the lineups that they've rolled out. So do they let his 10 day contract expire and say, Hey, you should go play with a contending team because you can give them more than what we need. Um, That would not be good for his fantasy value, but it would make sense. So I'm hoping that they sign him for the rest of the season and say, Hey, like you're a guy that we value in the future. Like you can be a really good guy, like off the bench, good player off the bench, uh, getting some steals, mixing things up on defense and, a little bit on offense, like a secondary playmaker. So will that happen? Maybe. Um, 
And I think just also giving them another point guard option because Jacob Gilliard, I'm pretty sure, is close to being out of games for the season, being on yeah, a two-way contract. He's got two left. Yeah, so they were running Scottie Pippen Jr. at point guard. Like they mm. need somebody to do it. So it makes it's a good fit for him to not only play well in fantasy, but just like be a good fit for the Grizzlies as they try and develop these young guys because how much are these young guys going to develop if there's nobody like no veterans out there to kind of facilitate things on the court? Like if you're just throwing Gigi Jackson out there and saying, Hey, uh, just figure things out in the NBA. Like it's, I think that there are better things that can be done for his development, other players development. So yes, long answer. Yes. Like I really do like what he can do. Just fingers crossed to keep him around. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tricky one because as you said, he he might not even be on the roster beyond Thursday. Um, so hopefully we, if you can, if you can just grab him and, and put him on your roster and wait, um, and we'll, we'll know before games resume whether he's actually going to be yeah. on the roster for either another ten days or rest of season, whatever they decide to do. Um, shifting over to Portland, um, a few names here, and and I think. Portland are, again, a prime team for for tanking. Jeremy Grant, I'm reasonably confident he won't play much more this season. Anthony Simons um, will probably miss the back end for whatever. He's had some injuries, um, ankle, things like that. So, Joop Reith uh, recently signed a three-year deal, which was great to see that from that if you saw the video of scoot henderson mm-hmm. hearing that news he was, yeah, was obviously cool. very upbeat about it so he, he's someone that i think is well liked within the organization by the playing group so that's really good to see um deandre ayton on the flip side i wouldn't surprise me if he's not that well liked <laughs> obviously i've got no evidence he's a max contract player like that's what he is <laughs> he is that's um he is he is. He, he dominates. Um, he has nothing left to prove in the NBA. He's done it all. <laughs> Gee, if he's done it all, I'm close. Uh, <laughs> so he's potentially a shutdown. He's had injuries. He probably doesn't want to be playing anyway. So I like Duop Reith as, as someone. They're, they've obviously, they're invested in him. They see him as a, a solid backup option. So I like Reith as a back-end player or back-end of the season player. Uh, and then Jabari Walker and Chris Murray would be the other one. Chris Murray hasn't played a lot this year, um, but I think the Blazers would want to see what they've got in him. Um, and, and Jabari Walker has been on and off. He's been pretty good this year, along with Tamani Kamara. So I actually think there is a bit of streaming value here in Portland um, because we, like of all these teams, I'm pretty confident that they're going to start benching these guys down the stretch over the next couple of weeks, and, and they will play the young guys to see what they've got. Yeah, I, I know we've talked about this before, but Portland has done a hard tank the final few weeks of the last two seasons um, yep. where it was like borderline disrespectful, like they should have gotten fined or something. Um, so all three of those guys, Reith, Walker, and, and Chris Murray – are all going to play a lot of minutes. Like, obviously, he's not going to be a Keegan Murray, but I think Chris Murray is a guy that can give you threes and give you a couple other things here and there uh, that would make him worth stashing. And then, obviously, the other two have already shown this season that they can provide value. Uh, Tumani Kamar is another guy that I think is worth stashing. 
Um, he's a guy that I really like, and I don't know, maybe I just really like the way he plays, and I think he plays winning basketball and can provide um, and will at some point like provide a lot of value to a championship team. But I also just think that he's going to be a pretty good fantasy option for the rest of the season. Like it's going to be uh, Scoot Henderson and the boys for the rest of the season. Like mm. I think Anthony Simons, um, Jeremy Grant, DeAndre, and like you said, like we're probably not going to see much more of them. Like maybe we'll continue to see Matisse Thybul, but I don't think that's necessarily a guarantee. Um, but I would assume Scoot Henderson is like going to be the face of the franchise for the rest of the season and pro- potentially moving forward after that. Like it's now officially his show, um, but with probably a better supporting cast next season. But um, he's 56% rostered on Yahoo. I just checked that. And this is, it's finally the time. Like he's going to start the rest of the season. That's what John Zubelp said. So it's, uh, it's what we've been waiting for it really. Yep. Yep. Uh, the Spurs, probably not a team that needs to tank because they're pretty bad anyway, but yeah. it does feel like we're heading down that path. Like I think Wemby at some point is going to be scaled back. Uh, Devin Vassell, we saw it last year. Um, it might not be that they they miss the rest of the season, so to speak, but they're just they're cycled in and out. We saw it last year that Vassell was in, out, in, out, in, out, uh, along with a few other players, Keldon Johnson. Um, it'll probably be Wemby. So there, there's a few names. Um, I didn't put Champagne on here, but he is someone, probably Malachi Branham is another one, but I put, I don't mind Blake Wesley. I don't necessarily know if he's a good player or not, but I, I think he might get run down the stretch. And and Barlow is another one um, who, if Wemby is injured, misses time, whatever it might be, Zach Collins could also fall into that category because I don't think they really need to see what, Zach Collins is. They know what he is. So I don't mind Barlow. It would be um, Bassey if he was healthy, but Bassey is is out for the season. So he would have been the guy that we'd be talking about here. But with him also out of the equation, I, I don't mind Barlow as a as someone to – I wouldn't be adding him yet, don't, don't get me wrong, because he's barely playing. But in three or four weeks' time, he could be playing big minutes – uh, and I personally, I'd love to see Mamu Kelishvili playing. Um, I think he has an interesting fantasy game, and maybe they do go with him as well. And that that would be the highlight of my season if, if he was playing minutes. Um, what do you think about the Spurs though moving forward? Honestly, like there is going to be guys that play minutes. It's kind of hard to say right now um, who's going to be the best for fantasy because I think. If I were, you know, managing the team a little bit, whether that's coaching or management, whatever, I would be valuing reps and minutes at this point. Like Wemby's had his minutes relatively managed all season. Like I don't think that's going to stop, but I think just having him play more with, you know, Sohan, Devin Bassell, Kelvin Johnson, Trey Jones, like just having all of them on the floor together, I think is going to be just good for the team long term. Um, now, obviously, like I don't think that they're going to continue to play every single game for the rest of the season they will start having guys cycle in and out like you said like i'm assuming especially Vassell, given his history with his knee issues um specifically last season where he missed a ton of games um that they're just going to you know manage everybody which could allow for a game here and there for specific guys to come in but i don't think that's going to be much of you know all five big pieces sitting out the same game so 
does that really allow the opportunity for some of those other guys that you mentioned to step in and provide real fantasy value? It's kind of hard to envision that for me because I think that it is still just going to be, okay, if Wemby sits out this game, then Sohan, Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell are going to see all the shots yeah. of Trey Jones run, like passing it to them. If Devin Vassell sits out this game, okay, Wemby's still here, and then we'll have these other guys doing it. So that's kind of how I see the rest of the season unfolding, even though they are going to be battling for – the top pick and the best lottery odds. Like there's no reason for them to like fully pull the plug. Like hmm. just, uh, just let all these guys continue to play basketball and develop. I think that's an underrated piece of, uh, of rebuilding. Uh, final team, the wizards, um, very, very bad team. And another <laughs> team that could um, question how they're being run from the top down. But, um, <laughs> I've got a couple of names here as well. Bilal Kulavali is obviously he, – he's someone that we've been talking about as a stash guy all season. Uh, he, for me, I mean, I, I do think he's a stash player, but he's – there are a few names on this list that I would actually rather over him despite the fact that he's probably most likely to play meaningful minutes because he has he's already playing meaningful minutes and that to me that's the difference we've we've seen what he can do in 30 minutes and it's it's okay like he's he it depends what you need if you need some defensive stuff but offensively he's still very raw um so i i do think that he is worth stashing or or even grabbing now but just don't set those expectations too high uh, Corey Kispert is another player that's been getting good minutes. He's not necessarily – he doesn't have the upside of some of these other players we've talked about. He, he's he's more of a just a pure scorer, doesn't do much else. But I don't know. I, I think – I feel like the last couple of games he's, his role has increased and I had him earlier in the season, I want to say for a week or two, and I ended up dropping him, but I think it was just because I had to – clear my IR spots out because players were healthy. But he's someone that's that's had some value um, at periods. He's top 100 over the last two weeks, basically playing 25 minutes plus a night. He scored at least 20 points in three of the last five games. Um, so he's a bit hit or miss because if his shot's not dropping, he's not going to give you much else. But I don't mind Kispert uh, as someone down the stretch here who could give you a nice little bump in points. Yeah, he did it down the stretch of last season. Um, it was more late March, early April that he did it, but um, he started seeing big minutes and had, looks like, three 20-point games, hit at least five threes in four of those games over the final, like, eight or so. So we've seen him have, like, at the end of last season, when the team was full-on tanking, just get a, be given a green light. And honestly, like, preseason, I had high expectations for him because – I thought one that he was going to be the fifth starter, um, which didn't end up happening. Um, and two that he was going to be given like, just, Hey, green light, like Jordan Poole shoot, Corey Kispert shoot, Kyle Kuzma shoot, whatever, just do whatever you guys want. We're not going to be in the playoffs or anywhere near. So that obviously didn't happen, but I think that is something that can be the case over the final couple, I guess, two months of the season where Kispert green light, he's going to give you points and threes and nothing else, but yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes that's all you need. Um, there are a couple of questions here, so we'll, we'll get to those very quickly. Any other players or teams you want to touch on quickly? Um, 
I think I know we talked about this briefly before. I think the only other team that as of right now looks like, hey, like they're probably definitely going to be a play-in team um, is, excuse me, the Raptors. Um, and the guys that I would be looking at potentially would be like Grady Dick. But I mean, I think kind of like Kispert, it's probably going to be mostly just points and threes. Um, but I mean, I think we were talking about this. They may not ever fully pull the plug and just continue to try and win games the right way. Doesn't seem like they are the kind of team that'll just full on pull the plug. So we'll see. Um, but I think he is the only other guy that I could think of from the only other team that it looks like they're definitely going to tank or yeah, not be in the play in. Yeah, that's my concern with Toronto as well, as we've never seen them tank. So we don't know whether the, it's, it's in them to do it. But Grady Dick would be the guy that I'd be looking at. Um, Jordan Wara is another one who's interesting. We know that he can score in bunches when he's given minutes. So if they decide to just go, here's 30 minutes, go and start, I'd definitely be adding him because he could average 20 points a game um, over the final two weeks of the season. So... Yeah, it, it is an uncertain situation, but but it would probably be those two, and, and I guess Kelly Olynyk. If they decide to free Kelly Olynyk and play him thirty minutes, we we know he can be a top fifty player, so he would be the other one um, there. If if there's any indication that he's going to get a yeah. bigger role, um, all right. So yeah, as I said, a few questions, not too many. Uh, nine cat league, so standard kind of league. Baby Jesus asks trade Zion for Shengun. Uh, fair trade. I think it's a fair trade. Would you would you make that trade? I think I would. Um, I guess it would also just kind of depend on team build. Like if you're in a punt free throw or punt three. I mean, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, Shengun doesn't have a good free throw percentage either, does he? Let's see, he's, yeah, 70% and only hits half a three. So actually, yeah, I think I would just do this, but I don't think it's actually really matters what kind of team build you have. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, they're fairly similar. I think Zion probably has the edge in points. Um, he's more likely to go for 30 points, where Shingun won't. Um, but he'll Zion is actually assists and rebounds. So. Yeah, so so I, th- I think it's a yeah. fair trade. I, I think... Yeah, I think I'd probably prefer Shingun uh, in this situation. Zion, we've already seen he, he's being managed a little bit, so he's probably going to miss some games down the stretch as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with this trade. Uh, oh, man, in a C. Hey, guys, I got to play Trey Man four times till rest of the season, which ends for me 31st of March. Would So would you drop Trey Man to open up a streaming spot? My other borderline players are Cam Johnson or Caruso, who I like. Uh, so I guess of those three players, would you consider dropping any of them to open a streaming spot? And if so, who would be – what would be the order or who would be the priority? Gosh, is it – I want to say Cam Johnson. Hmm. I might – is that crazy for me to say that I would drop Cam Johnson? Because no, Caruso's... that's who I was leaning towards as well. Okay. Because Caruso is going to give you, I mean, obviously not points, but threes, steals, and blocks, decent value. Trey Mann, I think the upside's too good, and what he's shown is too good. And Cam Johnson has been very, very disappointing this season, and I don't really see that changing. Um, yeah, no, I think it's Cam Johnson. Yeah, it, it pains me to say it, but I think it is uh, currently where we sit. If Lamelo comes back. 
that probably changes. Right. Um, although I do think I do think Man could play alongside Lamelo. So if you do have Trey, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but if you do have Trey Man and we get word that Lamelo is coming back, don't just go and drop Trey Man. Hold him and see because he could play whether he starts and plays alongside him or whether he plays 28 minutes off the bench. I still think Man could have a 12-team role here. Um, but, yeah, based on what we've seen and what we know right now, it's probably Cam Johnson, uh, especially with the injury issues that he's had this season. Um, there's a chance that he, he misses ta- time down the stretch. Um, whether they decide to tank or not, I just think it's an injury that's probably going to be managed a little bit. Um, Metalhead with lots of numbers in there. Um Better pick up in 10 team, Mike Conley, Paul Reed, or Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, for me, this is – well, it is stat dependent because obviously Paul Reed is going to give you very different stats to Mike Conley, who is going to give you different stats to Dante DiVincenzo. So it does depend on, on what you need. Um, in terms of pure upside or rank, I think my rank would be – well, and again, this depends on on the injury to Dante Givincenzo. We don't know. Again, this would be probably a decision I'd be waiting to make until we get word on whether Divincenzo is going to play. But I think I'd have Conley last out of the, these three. Um, it, just in terms of upside, I think his role is yeah. probably the most secure. But uh, And then I'd probably have Divincenzo first. DiVincenzo, then Reed, then Conley. What about you? That's, that's probably exactly what I would say. I would say pretty easily Dante DiVincenzo first. I everything I'm like I was trying to look it up really quickly see if there's anything like on Twitter that was saying that he may not be back uh, immediately. I know Basketball Monster has him probable for their next game. Okay. So um, yeah, no, I feel really good about Dante DiVincenzo, especially with the team still dealing with some other injuries has been playing awesome. Conley, if I, if I really need assists, then yes. But other than that, like, no, like I'd rather have either of the other two. And then unless I really need, I mean, Paul Reed's, I don't know, I guess kind of defense. Like what is Paul Reed's dominant? Let me just look at it real quick. So one point, the last two weeks, 9.3 points, 8.3 rebounds, 1.1 blocks. 51.8% from the floor, 85.7% from the line. Like, yeah, I guess if it's like big man stats, then Paul Reed, but if not, Dante DiVincenzo. So we'll just do this one quickly and then I'll, I'll let you go and I'll sadly go to work. What we, we hear in fantasy about ceiling and floor. So we talk about that a lot when it comes to, to fantasy value. Would you be able to explain what these are? So I think we can use that last question as a really good example of ceiling and floor. So Mike Conley, of these three players, Mike Conley to me has the safest floor. Um, and and what so what that means is his role is very secure. You you know what he's going to get. And and I guess you're looking at let's go three weeks into the future. Barring like if, if someone gets injured, obviously that you don't equate that in because their floor falls way out if, if they're injured because they're not playing. But if you look at these three players in three weeks, what Conley is doing now, 
is pretty much what he'll be doing then. We know exactly what you're going to get from him. You'll get seven or eight assists, one, 1.2 steals, a couple of threes, um, 11 points. Uh, so his, his floor is safe. Um, but his ceiling is probably the lowest of these three players because his floor is pretty much his ceiling, actually, for Mike Conley because he's going to give you the same thing every night, whereas... Paul Reed could go off and have, and we've seen him do it, he could have 18 points, 13 rebounds, three steals, three blocks, and hit a three or two, and he'll hit his free throws. Dante DiVincenzo has had some 30-point games in the last couple of weeks. So his ceiling is higher than Conley because Mike Conley is, I can almost guarantee, is not going to come out and give you a 30-point game playing on this Timberwolves team. So ceiling and floor are... Best case scenario for a player would be their ceiling. A lot of players don't reach that ceiling, but it's fun to talk about it. And this is the time of year when we can talk about ceiling with a little bit more confidence because there are going to be other players resting. So players are going to have the opportunity to reach that ceiling. Um, and, and floor is what you're looking at for your safe guys. Like DeMar DeRozan has a very safe floor. Uh, Nikola Vucevic, these guys who have just been doing the same thing over and over again for the last few years, um, but their upside is is not massive. So, I don't know. Is that how would you explain ceiling and floor? I think that was a pretty good explanation. Um, I think an example of a guy that is high ceiling, low floor would be like a Cam Thomas who. When, yep. you know, his ceiling is him scoring 40 or 50 points and his floor is him shooting two for 17 and scoring five points. Um, so that's a high ceiling, low floor kind of guy that's very, I guess, inconsistent, hot or cold. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. is, I think, another guy that has a high ceiling, low floor every game. Um, I think honestly, I think Mike Conley might be the perfect example of a low ceiling, low or high floor kind of guy mm. because it's just very consistent, you know, exactly what you're going to get. And it like it's not he's not going to play much worse than that ever he's not going to play much better than that ever so yeah i think that's probably the best way now if you're looking at it from more of like a dynasty perspective like obviously that's less about individual game to game performances and it's more about um how they're going to play long term like whether they're going to hit their ceiling so like a guy like a I was trying to think about rookies. Um, for example, like I guess like a Chris Murray was kind of a guy that like a low ceiling, high floor kind of prospect where it's like, a, hey, he's going to be a pretty solid NBA player, but he's not probably going to be a star, um, which I think that's probably like a kind of a deep dynasty cut more so than like what the uh, average fantasy player is going to uh you know, associate him with because he probably just seems like a bomb to the average 12 team fantasy player that yeah. you don't want to roster. But um, yeah, I think that from the, the typical fantasy perspective, like your definition was really good. Yeah. And I think if you look at it, if you wanted to break it down, I guess, even further and just have a look at it as rank, like player rank, because we talk about ranks, a mm-hmm. top 80 player, top 60 player, ceiling and floor. If, if you're looking at the difference between ceiling and floor, so someone like a uh, Cam Thomas, as you said, his ceiling is sort of top 50, top 40, because he could average 30 points a game for a week, but his floor is top 250. So there's a massive difference between his ceiling and his floor. 
if you look at Mike Conley, his ceiling is probably top 70 and his floor is probably top 100. So it's a small, much smaller range um, for someone like him. So I don't know. That's that's sort of how I look at it as well. Um, a couple more. Man, I need to get to work. Would you trade Kobe White and Brandon Miller for Kevin Durant? Uh, yeah. I think it's a fair trade. I think Durant is easily the best yeah. player. Um, so I probably would. Uh, and I think Phoenix are, are a team that's probably going to have to have their guys on the floor a little bit because they want to get as high as they can in the standings. So I think I'd probably do that. Um, yeah, Brandon Miller is he's interesting. He's been really good. But if Lamelo comes back, um, he's going to impact him a little bit. But I think I'd probably do this. Yeah, I yeah. think so. And the this like I guess the second part of that uh, that he asked there was that it's a ten team league, and I think that also kind of impacts things for me. I'd rather have more stars in a ten team league, so that would be, you know, if it was a sixteen team league, then I might prefer the depth. Um, I don't know if I'd trade KD for Kobe White and Brandon Miller, but I would do Kobe White and Brandon Miller for KD in a ten team league. Yes. Yep. Um... Yeah, ten team nine cat. Is it trying to drop Keegan or IQ and pick up Paul Reed, Pods or Keontae? In a ten team league, uh, I don't. Paul Reed, maybe of those three players, would be the guy I'd be looking at in a ten team league. Keontae, I think he's still still a little bit of a stash guy. I think he's. I mean, he's going to start for the rest of the season. He's coming off a really good game, but I think he's going to be a bit up and down. And Pods with Chris Paul coming back, I'm just a little bit hesitant. I still think Pods will be a standard league guy rest of season, but I'm not sure he's a must-hold in a 10-team league. Um, Quickly's been pretty ordinary the last few games. Keegan, I've never been that high on Keegan Murray, to be honest. Um, I know he's he's had a good year and he's made improvements, but um, I do think of, of this list, I, I still think I'd be holding Keegan and probably quickly above all three. Yeah, I think I really do like what Pods has done, um, but who knows what Steve Kerr is going to do from game to game. He continues to say, hey, we're going to roll with this for a little bit and then change things up. So I think Keegan and IQ have the highest ceiling out of those five uh, for this season. Yeah, yeah, for this season. Yeah. All right. That's all the questions. Thanks for the questions, guys. I mean, they, they give us more content to talk about, so it's fun. Um I'm going to let Noah go. What have, what have you got coming up? You've you'll have some Tank Me Later episodes and stuff over on Roto World. Yeah, um, maybe that Q and A tomorrow. I actually need to check to see if I'm still doing that um, for this week. If not, then definitely the next week. But I'm going to see that about that and tweet it out. And then yeah, some Tank Me Later. Not sure exactly what I'm going to do yet. And then hopefully some actual content on prospects within the next few weeks. I'm going to start now that I have an actual dynasty rankings out and published, I'm going to start trying to work on prospects. Yep. And you can check it. You did a show uh, late last week, I want to say. Um, yeah, I think it went up late last your, week. Your dynasty ranks. So go and have a listen to that. That's on the, the FBI on our YouTube channel um, yeah. and, and Spotify and everywhere else. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, that's where you'll find us. Um, fbibasketball.com is the website. Find us there. Follow both Noah and myself at AdamKing91 and at NoahRubin22 on Twitter. Uh, content will start ramping up again in the next couple of days from everyone uh, as we move into the back end of the season. 
and then we'll have a lot of stuff, a lot of dynasty stuff and redraft stuff and um, even some WNBA stuff. I'm dabbling in that. Um, that was fun last year. I played in, in some WNBA leagues. So plenty of content, even though the, the fantasy season is starting to get towards its close. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, catch up. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.